broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, ready to finish off the week really strong, really excited for the next three hours that we have with you here on the radio. Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. My man, Damon Cotton, behind the wheels of steel, your boy Q. And as I said, with you for the next three hours. Very excited about the show that we have today. Very excited about this upcoming weekend. I think everyone's going to get an opportunity to get a little bit of R&R, a little rest and relaxation. Of course, it's Memorial Day weekend, and a lot of folks will just look at it and say, hey, we got a three-day weekend. Let's party. Right? It's all good. Get one day less of work. And that's all true. And that's all good, but as I told my man Ari in the hallway earlier today, I said, well, we have a three-day weekend coming up, but why do we have a three-day weekend coming up? And he looked at me and said, well, it's Memorial Day, and I said, exactly. So we have a salute to service show for you today. Very, Like I said, very excited about this show, one of my favorite shows of the year. And we do a lot of really good shows, and we've had multiple really great shows throughout the course of this week, and just, I mean, every day really try to put the most that we can into it and, and get the most out of it and have enough, uh, plenty of interaction with Raider Nation on the phone lines at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r But I take more pride in the type of show that we're going to have today as opposed to the majority of the shows we do throughout the course of the year. And that doesn't mean that I don't take a lot of pride because anyone who knows me knows I take a lot of pride in every single thing that we do here and really do appreciate all the feedback that we receive each and every day. But today it's really going to be a salute to service. Memorial Day is coming up on Monday. We do not have shows. Our whole building is going to be closed on Monday as a lot of different entities across, you know, not only Nevada, but everywhere is going to be really shut down on Monday. And that's because of Memorial Day. And that's because there was a lot of people that sacrificed their lives for what we're able to do every day. Myself and DeMond are able to come in here and laugh and joke and talk sports and be knuckleheads because somebody decided to pay the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice for us, which is, you know, an incredible feat that I couldn't do. I'll tell you right now, I'm not one that's very good with orders. <laughs> I'm not really one that's, that's very good with those kind of things and, and, and all the hard work that goes into being in the military, and I respect everyone who does. And I'll tell you, from my time in Central Texas, and I was able to go and do radio shows at Fort Hood, I got to see everything up close and personal, and I'm hoping at some point I'll be out at Nellis Air Force Base and get to take that in as well, because that's an eye-opening experience. If you've never done that and experienced that, if you get an opportunity, some, I'm not saying it's an open-door open policy, like, yeah, come tour the, the, you know, the base. I'm not, not saying that, but if you ever get an opportunity to do something like that, take full advantage of it. Something I thought that I would never really – Oh, this is okay. We're going to go do a show here. That's cool. And when I tell you right now, when I went away from Fort Hood uh, after doing a radio show there, I was like, wow, I was blown away uh, from some of the conversations, from some of the testimonials, just, you know, observing what I observed and just thought it was really cool. And so I don't ever want to take our military for granted, the ones that have lost their lives. And obviously we'll be observing them on Monday for Memorial Day. Obviously our veterans that have returned and uh, in, in our home and also the families of everybody. Because the family sacrifice as well. They, they have their loved ones that are away doing you know, work that every one of us can't do and, and won't do. 
And so we want to definitely make sure that we salute to them. So, again, a salute to service today. I'm very excited about the show, very excited about the guests. And, of course, Raider Nation, want to hear from you throughout the course of the show as well. Uh, whenever we don't have a guest, at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have uh, Nate Boyer, former Green Beret. He's going to kick things off uh, for the opening drive, just talk about what Memorial Day weekend means to him, what the day means to him, uh, what it meant to not only be a, a Green Beret but play in the NFL. Right, He was on a team in the NFL, but he was on a bigger team, a greater team in the Green Beret. And just with all that, what it means to him, there's a couple different things he's working on, a couple different projects that he's working on that I know, DeMond, you're pretty uh, high on and that you, you are excited about and you want to talk to him about. And you said there was something locally that he had going on as well that you wanted to be a part of. Yeah, um, it's a program they have merging vets with players. Yeah, yeah, merging MVP, vets with players. right? Yeah, MVP. Yeah. And they have eight branches, but one of them is here in Las Vegas. So that's something I'd love to because it started like him and Jay Glazer, yeah. where you know you have some players that you know, hey, they're working out, mm-hmm. and then you got the the veterans of whichever you know armed services force that they right. served in, mm-hmm. and they work out, and it was just like both par- both parties being in awe of each other. Where you have the veterans, it's like, oh, I'm working out with Tony Gonzalez, right, or, right, right. or you know Chuck Liddell, former UFC champion, yeah. And then they're like, no, you guys are the real heroes. Yeah. We're we're honored to be working out with you. So that's a real cool program, you know. It's a you know merge the two. You know, MVP. No doubt, no doubt. So we'll talk to Nate Boyer, kicking things off at 210. That'll be the opening drive here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. At 230, Jarrett Bell from USA Today will deep deep dive into all things NFL. And Jarrett Bell is a Hall of Fame voter, similar to John McClain and Shereen Williams and others that we have on the show. We'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins, the fact that he was released by the Arizona Cardinals. That shocked me earlier today, uh, but he was released. So we'll talk about where maybe D-Hop will end up. We'll talk about the Baltimore Ravens. I know he covers Baltimore like a glove, but we'll scatter shoot around the the NFL and also ask him about Memorial Day weekend. That's coming up with Jared Bell at 2.30. Then former Raider quarterback Jay, Jay Schrader will join the show at 3.15 and he'll join us to talk about him being a, a 2022 uh, nominee for the service, uh, the Salute to Service Award uh, given out by the, the Silver and Black. He was the Raiders nominee for that 2022 award and he has done a lot of work and uh, Damon, I know that you've been at events where uh, Jay Schrader was at and uh, the the uh, the, USA, the USAA, the boot camp that they had at, at Allegiant Stadium, he was there. He was helping active military members Members, go ahead and and you know just go through like a football boot camp. They're used to going through army boot camps or navy boot camps or armed forces boot camp. They were going through a football boot camp, and uh, I know you were there, and also Jay Schrader was there as well. Yeah, it was so fun to be there to see people get so excited to be on the field at Allegiant Stadium, where you know they're running the drills, doing the combines, getting tested. You know there was like a grand prize for the group that actually you know had the best scores, and Jay just throwing passes to people in the end zone. It was one of those moments of oh man, this is pretty cool mm-hmm. one of the guys nate still friends with him on instagram today he called into the show yeah he's basically an astronaut and it's one of those wow there is so much that encompasses right you know being in the military there's no doubt that's awesome that's really really cool so jay schrader former raider quarterback will join us at 315 uh to talk about his salute to service and what it means to him gabriella rice aka lucille and who's lucille q who's lucille well she's a super raider fan uh, she's here locally now. She used to live in the Bay Area. She lives here locally. Uh, if you ever see her, she's got the big afro uh, in, in the stands. Well, she's a 20-year Navy vet. So, yes, she's a Raider fan, which is awesome because we're Raider Nation Radio 920. So, obviously, we share some uh, some common themes, right, with the Raiders. And so uh, she's going to join us to talk about what her service meant to her, the 20 years in the Navy, what it did for her 
her life, what it did for her career, what she thinks of when this weekend comes up, Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, and I hate, and this is on me, I'm guilty of it myself, there's so many times that we don't focus in on our military outside of 4th of July, Veterans Day, Memorial Day weekend. And I get caught in that rut at times as well. Life starts going so fast that we get caught up. And so I try not to do that, but I know it happens. So uh, Gabriella Rice, a.k.a. Lucille, will join us at 3.30 to talk about being a 20-year Navy vet and what that meant to her. And then we're going to keep that theme going with Super Raider fans. Jess Estrada, a.k.a. Vegas Jess. He was an Army native. Uh, that's my guy. That's one of my best friends that I have, and uh, he's, he's a very pr- proud Army vet. Uh, every time that we're with them, if we're having a, a little barbecue at the house or whatever, and we got to make a run to the store, and there might be some veterans outside selling flags or whatever, Jess is like, hey, I got so many of these flags around the house, but I'm going to buy another one just because, and I know how much it means to him. So uh, Jess spent a long time in the Army. He's a veteran. Uh, he's here locally. He's a really good dude, and he's always at Allegiant Stadium at games. And so we'll talk to him at 4 o'clock just talking about the Army and what it meant to him and what this week- weekend meant or means. And then we'll keep the party rolling. John Arnold, a.k.a. Peg Leg Raider, he'll join the show. And I actually met him in Canton, Ohio. He'll join the show about 4.10, 4.15. I met him in Canton, Ohio when Tom Flores was being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And when his name, when we call him Peg Leg Raider, it's for a reason. Because he has a peg leg, right? And he lost his leg in the line of duty, right? I mean, remember I talk about giving the ultimate sacrifice? Peg Leg Raider lost his leg in the line of duty. And what was so cool about Peg Leg Raider, not to mention that he's a great guy, uh, his son is in the Navy. Uh, he was representing for the, uh, for the Army, 10-year active duty Army, medically retired staff sergeant in 2007. This guy got his leg autographed by Tom Flores. Tom Flores was in BJ's, and there was everyone was asking for pictures. Everyone was asking for autographs. And Tom Flores, to his credit, and you got to give him a lot of credit, he was tired. He was ready to go home, but he signed and took a picture with every single person in the building, including my guy, Peg Leg Raider, who literally had his leg his Raider peg leg autographed by one Tom Flores. So uh, we'll talk to him about that experience, plus this whole weekend uh, coming up around 4.10 or 4.15. And then live in studio, we're expected to have former Raider running back Napoleon McCallum. Obviously, United States Naval Academy. He's a big reason why the Raiders are here in the Las Vegas area. Uh, He's got a lot going on. Not only will we talk to him about the military, but also there's some brain studies that he's working with right now that are, uh, you know, trying to help guys get their – get their wits about themselves back, right? Some, some, a bunch of different studies that are, are going on right now trying to help guys that played football or just have gone through a lot of head trauma trying to get in the right place. So I think it'll be a great time to close out the show with Napoleon Callum live here in studio. So that's a hell of a lineup right there. Nate Boyer coming up in a matter of seconds. Jarrett Bell at 2.30. Jay Schrader at 3.15. Lucille, Gabriella Rice, a.k.a. Lucille at 3.30. Vegas Jess at 4 o'clock. Jess Estrada. My man John Arnold, a.k.a. Peg Leg Raider about 4.15. And then Napoleon McCallum closing things off at 4.30. That's a hell of a lineup right there. We'll get to your calls and texts when we don't have a guest on the show. And we will jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. And just right now, my man Damon Cotton is efforting Nate Boyer. I believe he's going to join the show uh, in a matter of seconds. But I did want to go ahead and read off this text that we got real quick on the don'tbebroke.com text line from Dave B in the 7570. He said, Q, appreciate the nod to the meaning of Memorial Day. I post this on social media every year. What he posts is, reminder, freedom is not free. A toast to start the Memorial Day weekend. Here's the stealing, cheating, fighting, and drinking. 
If you're going to steal, steal a heart. If you're going to cheat, cheat death. If you're going to fight, fight for your country. If you're going to drink, drink to our fallen. That's from Dave B. in the 757. And that's a great way if you could just title the show today. That would be a great way to title it right there. I think that that is awesome. Dave B., thank you so much for that. I do appreciate it. And, again, it's not about me. It's not about, you know, this show. It's just about what what we should be doing. We should be tipping the cap to, you know, Memorial Day and and those that lost their lives and the families that lost their loved ones and, you know, the ones that still deal with that uh, each and every day. So, Dave B., that's a really good uh, text right there. I will say I'd like to hear from you when we don't have a guest on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R like Dave B. did. And just want to know, what does Memorial Day mean to you, right? Is there something that you do to show honor to our fallen soldiers. We'd love to hear that. And if you send us a text in, we'll definitely get it in on the show. And again, when we don't have a guest on the phone lines, we'll definitely get to you as well at 702-365-9200. Again, DeMond is uh, efforting Nate Boyer, the former Green Beret. uh, So he should be joining us in a matter of seconds. But again, man, this this has been really cool to be able to put this show together. I actually had uh, Barrett Sports Media who is, uh, you know, is a really good outlet that most people in you know, the media business, they kind of follow. They hit me up earlier in the week and asked me you know, what I had planned for today, and I, and I let them know, and they actually put an article out about it. So I thought that that was really cool. We'll go over that a little bit later in the show. But uh, right now, joining us on the phone line, as promised, kicking off the opening drive is former Green Beret, former NFLer, Nate Boyer. And, Nate, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you kicking us off on our little Salute to Service show today. And, I'll tell you, the last time we hung out, I believe, was at the Super Bowl. We had an opportunity to catch up and talk. And when you go into Memorial Day weekend, a lot of people look at it like it's a three-day weekend. Let's party. We have one less day of work. But for you, a former Green Beret, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely is one day less day of work, or it should be. Um, and, and I think it's important to you know, let people know that you know, we should enjoy this time. Like, we should be... We should be celebrating, but just remember what you're celebrating, and more importantly, who you're celebrating. Um, it's those that paid the ultimate sacrifice. You know, it's uh, men and women who uh, served their country and um, and you know didn't make it back. And uh, and the reason we are, you know are able to live in a place that we live uh, with uh, many of the freedoms that we are granted and and you know opportunities that we are granted, even though this place is far from perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because of those those men and women, and the, and they're and they're the ones they're the real heroes, you know. Always like that's my good buddy of mine always says uh, heroes don't walk the earth, you know. And I think it's a I think there's there's not a truer statement out there, um, true heroes anyway. Like those are the ones that uh, we got to live in their honor, and um, you know the best way to honor their death is the way that we live our lives. And so I think just recognizing that, uh, living that, but also this weekend especially uh, remembering that. And, and saluting that is important. Yeah, it is. And I think you're spot on when, you know, you say we should celebrate it. We should. We should enjoy it. But, again, remember what we're enjoying and remember what we are celebrating. And, and Nate, you played on football teams, so you were part of those teams. But you also were part of the ultimate team as a member of the Green Beret. How, how, how tight-knit is that team that you were part of while you were, you know, obviously in the military? Oh, it's, it's, it's incredibly tight-knit. Uh, it's I, I still talk to a lot of those guys, and I served on various different special forces teams while I was in. Every time I deployed, it was a different group, but I stay in touch with a lot of those folks. And, you know, and luckily, uh, I've been able to meet and become really close with other people from the military uh, community that I didn't serve with. You know, we have that, mm-hmm. that common bond, 
And, uh, and it's the same way with guys I played sports with. You know, we just, when you have that common bond, you kind of recognize, all right, this person sacrificed, uh, you know, X to, to, to get where they are in their life today. Um, and, and you sort of know what that looks like and feels like. Uh, it's pretty special. And, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a, a, a chapter of uh, Emerging Investing Players, MVP, um, for short. Uh, that's out there in Vegas, and it's one of our strongest chapters. So I do want to give a quick shout-out to, uh, uh, to Bruno Moya and to Isaac Saldivar and to Noel uh, Huerta, who built that chapter out there, really have built that community, and also Extreme Couture. Uh, Randy Couture's gym out there, that whole family. Uh, they've been incredible. Since the beginning, uh, I think that chapter's been there for uh, six years, and it, it's just really cool to see vets and athletes coming together, people from all different walks of life that, that have that, that common bond and that camaraderie that they've built over that time served. And a lot of those folks, they did serve together, and now they're back home, um, you know, finding ways to continue to, to serve and fight for something. Again, we're talking with former NFLer, former Green Beret, Nate Boyer here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. You mentioned MVP, and I know my man DeMond wanted to ask you about that. Go ahead, DeMond. Oh, yeah, because I'm very involved in the fight game, try to go to every UFC event and cover it when it's here in town. So I just wanted to ask you about the MVP chapter in Vegas and some of the aspects of it when it comes to the training. I, w- I would love to be a part, like, who should I contact to maybe go down there and watch a session or, or something like that? You know what? I got I got your cell, and when we're done with this, I'm gonna link you up with uh, with Bruno down there. He's a the program uh, manager down there in Vegas. Uh, he's a he's a he was a uh, uh, he was a military member, and um, you know served his country, fought overseas, and uh, and he's a big fan of the MMA world as well. And so we'll definitely get you dialed in. But yeah, what we do on a weekly basis at MVP is we meet in the gym. I believe in Vegas it's on Fridays at 5:30. At Extreme Couture, and if you're if you're a, a, a you know a vet or a former professional athlete, you are able to attend these sessions and become a member. It doesn't cost anything at all. And we meet up in the gym. We train for about 40, 45 minutes, um, and it's a mix of some MMA stuff, and they mix in some cross training and some other things. Um, but they're they're very inventive, and you're getting training from some of the best in the game, some of the best uh, MMA trainers, actual MMA fighters, uh, current and former. Uh, when you go into one of these sessions. And then after you, you go through that, you get that good sweat together as a group. You know, everybody's feeling a little vulnerable and a little more open and a little more connected. We huddle up on the, in the octagon there. Uh, they huddle up, and it's a peer-to-peer coaching session. Uh, we talk about everything, man. It's like nothing's off the table. We're all coaches in there. We're all students. Um, you know, we all have different experiences that we can kind of impart and share. And when somebody's going through something tough, we want to rally around them and help them out. And when somebody's got something to celebrate, uh, we want them to share that too, you know, and we want to hold each other accountable and continue to push each other to be great and, and uh, you know, work towards, uh, uh, you know, honoring uh, those that not only, have, you know, died overseas like we talk about on Memorial Day, but, you know, but those that have lost the battle back home. You know, one of our, uh, one of our trainers there from Extreme Couture, he was, a, he was a fighter. He was a world champ. His name was Tim Lane. And uh, we loved him. He helped build that program and train so many hearts and minds and, and, uh, and warriors out there in Las Vegas. And, um, and we lost him last year, you know. But he was, uh, he's somebody that we're always going to remember, we're always going to honor. And he's part of this team and his tribe um, here on earth and in the afterlife. And, and you know, we'll never forget him. So um, that's what we're all about. And, uh, you know, that guy, Tim, Tim saved a ton of people. There's a lot of people walking this earth today because of Tim. Uh, and it's and it's like that with many of our members, uh, of vets and athletes alike. They uh, 
you know, ultimately we save each other. We got each other's back, and that's what it's all about. All right, so I've got to ask you about MVP, the movie as well. How personal of an experience was that to direct and star in a movie about something that's almost autobiographical? Uh, it, you know what? It was it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's not the hardest thing I've ever done, and I you know I went to war, and you know I was fortunate to play football and do these things, and um, because it was so personal, because wow. I felt this responsibility to like make sure we don't, uh, I don't. <laughs> Uh, screw it up, you know, screw up our story. And uh, luckily, I had an incredible team. I mean, MVP made that movie, MVP members. Every veteran portrayed on screen is played by an actual vet. Um, a lot of these athletes like Randy Couture, like Tony Gonzalez, um, like even Michael Strahan and Howie Long had a cameo in it. Uh, Jay Glazer, of course, uh, uh, who I founded MVP with, is in it as well. And all these people are playing versions of themselves, and, and they're all a part of why MVP exists and and how it's been able to grow like it has. Uh, and we put that on screen, and it wasn't a documentary. We wanted to make a, a scripted movie, and we did it in the middle of COVID because, you know, we had to shut the gyms down for a bit, and we wanted to, we needed to figure out something to do. We all, we all, all of us need, like, a continued mission. And so this just kind of felt like the right time. And, uh, you know, we didn't have hardly any money when you talk about how much movies cost. But we figured it out, and, and, we, and we did it. We did it as a team, and, and like you said, it was uh, – it was really hard because it was personal, especially kind of playing that character um, of a, a you know a marine who was living in a homeless shelter and um, and having to like relive some things on my own, but also try to tap into some other people's experiences, and then uh, and then to have you know uh, uh, the other main character played by Mo McCray, uh, his name's Will Phillips in the movie. He's a you know he's a composite character of a former NFL player, first year out of the league. Played 11 years, but was on, uh, you know, never on a winning team and had a lot of injuries and all this stuff that he had to deal with. And um, and these two guys meet, this Marine who's living in a shelter and this guy who's got a family and, you know, had a good career. But they're going through the exact same struggle of losing that uniform, losing that identity, um, feeling like, uh, I'm you know, I'm in my early 30s. I got a lot of life left, but I feel like I've peaked and I'll never be great again. That's a scary thing. Uh, but but these guys, you know, when they when they feel when they they both recognize that in each other and and, and know that they're not alone, you know, it, it it essentially helps them sort of get through it. And that's really what we do at MVP, you know. So um, I'm very proud of it. It took me a long time to be proud of it. <laughs> I'm very self-critical. Uh, but after I got to watch it for the first time in a theater with other vets and athletes, and they they felt it too. You know, you could feel it in the room. Uh, that's when I knew that we did it right. You know, we did, we did the best that we could and, and we just, we got it done. You know, we made the, we made, we, we completed the mission and that was the goal. So, uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to check out MVP, the movie, if you get the opportunity, because it really does tell our story. It's, it's available on Showtime, Amazon Prime, Apple TV. You can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, but thank you for asking me. Yeah, no, that's that's really important, and, and I'm glad that we were able to, to talk about that as well. I, I wanted to ask you, Nate, I mean, we have a lot of veterans around here in the Las Vegas area with uh, having Nellis Air Force Base right here as well, but w- for what what can we do, right, as, as guys like me who have never had any kind of inklings to the, the military or anything, but I, I want to be active and I want to make sure that I'm in the veterans' lives and know that we're here for them because so many of them come back and, and they don't maybe get the attention that they deserve or even need. What would you say would be the best thing for someone like me to do to, to help out a veteran friend? Well, I mean, one thing that you – first of all, I always say to people – 
you know, what do you like to do and what are you good at? Those are the best, the best way to help somebody, you know, use your own skills. And you're already doing that at some level with, you know, talking to me today or what you're doing with the show and how right. you, you know, you, how you speak about these people. But beyond that, you know, I think understanding and recognizing that, hey, you know, pe- people are people. We're all, we all have insecurities. We all have post-traumatic stress of some way, shape or form from something. Right. And it, it obviously varies and it's, and it's, and it differs quite a bit, but I think, I think, um, I think a lot of people feel like they don't have maybe a ton in common, uh, with people from the military community. And it comes from a place of respect. It's not because, you know, it's not a, a negative thing. It's just right. like, Hey, I didn't go to war. I don't want to even pretend to know anything about that or what's that, what that's like. But, um, but all, but I, but all a lot of us really need is just to feel like, we are uh, the same and we do kind of belong and we do feel that connection to the civilian world and society and all that. Um, so just spending, just spending time having a conversation, you know, asking questions, not about, not about combat, but just about life. Like what, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What's your dream? What's your goal? Um, and, and if there's a way that you can help or a connection you can make um, to, you know, to, to, to forward that, um, that that goal or that dream or whatever that thing is for the vet that's the best way that's the best way you can help really um and i know you have you have that access you know what i mean and, mm-hmm. and everybody does at some level everybody has an opportunity uh, to do that and it's just it's really just it's like with kids man you know <laughs> not to say the vet, vets are kids but <laughs> right. like the most valuable the most valuable thing is your time and your attention you know what i mean mm-hmm. and if you give that it, it means the world it means a lot to to, to vets and a lot of them are uh, most of us are, you know, very grateful for anything like that, and, and and we hate asking because it's ingrained in us. Don't ask for help, you know. Don't ask for handouts, don't ask, and 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 we don't want that. But sometimes it takes someone like you to ask us, you know, hey, how can I help you? You know, let me know, and and, and it could be anything. Just let me know what you, you know, what you think you need or what you want or what you're interested in, and and maybe I can be a helping hand. How important is it to find those outlets for? former athletes and for former soldiers where with the process with MVP because you have the similarities of people who, you know, they're active, their prime is over around their mid-30s. And for the rest of us, Q and I, we could be talking on the radio till we're 70 or 80. But for you guys where that prime is cut short, how important is it to find those outlets for you and in movies and other people and working out? How important is that life after, let's say, your time in serving is done? I, I mean, it's, it, it is one of the most important things. Like it, it's, uh, it's really crucial to, to, to a transition, you know, transition out of the military. Um, and, and trying to find something that's challenging, uh, you know, obviously you need to be into it. You need to be interested in it. You need to like what you're doing and feel, you know, and, and feel that connection to it, feel a passion in some way, but it needs to be, I think it needs to be challenging because what we do uh, on the battlefield, what, 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 you know, pro athletes do. It's very competitive. It's very hard. It's not something everybody can do. But when we're in the process of working towards it and sometimes achieving those things, uh, it, the, the, that feeling is really hard to replicate. You know, I mean, it's a special feeling, but it makes us feel alive in a certain way. You know, we don't, we, we don't need to get shot at anymore. We don't need to run down on kickoff coverage anymore. We don't need to get punched <laughs> in the face. and We don't need to do that. Right. You know what I mean? But we need, to, we need to find other ways to feel that sort of I don't want to say just adrenaline because it's more than adrenaline, but just that like um, that that sort of aliveness and excitement. Um, and, you know, that's 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 so important. And so uh, I think that that is a that's a big thing. I think a lot of vets uh, you know, they come out of the military and they think because I thought this. It's like, all right, man, I put my time in, I busted my ass, 
I'm tired. I just want to relax and chill. And that's okay for a little bit, but after, after a while, that stillness, you know, it becomes one of the most chaotic things we've ever experienced. We, we, we need a little bit of stress in our life. You know, there's good stress too. Mm-hmm. We need a little bit of, uh, of, yeah, that challenge or like going after something we're not quite sure we can do, we can, we can complete. Like that was, for me, that was, that was this movie. And, and, you know, now I'm searching for more things like that because I wasn't sure I could do it. And, and even if it would have, you know, turned out horribly, <laughs> the fact that I went for it and got it done, those were the most gratifying moments. It wasn't, it wasn't as much like the, uh, the result, you know, it wasn't the, the scoreboard at the end of the game. It was the fact that I was getting knocked down and I was getting back up. And I was getting knocked down and I was getting back up. And I had people around me doing the same thing. We were just doing our best and we were trying. Um, that, that counted more than anything else. And so I think that, that that's the biggest thing uh, from a personal you know, aspect beyond having a connection with other people, you know, and family and you know, just being a good person in the community is like finding something that's really challenging and probably competitive, at least at some level, that you can embrace and, and, uh, and that you can uh, go after. And it doesn't have to be business or professional either. It can be, I, there's a lot of people in, our, in the MVP program that are like obsessed with hiking and climbing and like, you know, kind of pushing themselves and riding a little bit of that, that danger line because it makes them feel those, that same type of way uh, that they felt when they were wearing the camouflage. Well, I'll tell you what, Nate, you always have an outlet here. If, uh, if you ever need to get a message Thank out you, or, or yeah, absolutely. Or any, anything that you want to talk about, we're always here and the doors are always open. Our phone lines are always wide open as well. And uh, I think that everything you do is great. Uh, MVP, we definitely encourage everyone to go and uh, check out the movie as well. And, and like I said, man, just some of your encouraging words heading into this Memorial Day weekend, I think are going to go a really, really long way. So thank you so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you. And more importantly, thank you for your service. Hey, thank you guys so much. Uh, it really, really means the world. And for everybody out there listening, if you want to learn more about MVP, please go to vetsandplayers.org and go check the movie out. Thank you guys so much, and have a, have a great weekend. You too, Nate. Thank you so much. Great stuff right there. Nate Boyer, fantastic stuff from Nate. We definitely appreciate him. Go check out MVP. I know I got an opportunity to talk to him at the Super Bowl, and it's always great to catch up with Nate. We've been kind of catching up for a while, and uh, really good stuff right there. Uh, and I was not going to cut him off and say, hey, you know what, we got to go. I'm going to let him talk, and that's how this show is going to go today, and that's how we roll. 2.30 is the time. Coming up next, Jarrett Bell, USA Today. We'll dip into the NFL, and – all the going on, including DeAndre Hopkins. He's no longer in Arizona. And John Gruden in New Orleans? Huh? We'll do it next. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Nate Boyer, the former Green Beret, former NFL player, kicked us off today at the Unnecessary Roughness Raider Nation Radio 920, our opening drive as our Salute to Service show rolls on. We have right now on the phone lines the Hall of Fame voter, Jarrett Bell, USA Today, fantastic writer, been covering the NFL for a very, very long time. And Jarrett, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. Uh, the big news of the day, I guess, came out from uh, Arizona and DeAndre Hopkins being released by the Arizona Cardinals. How surprised were you that they weren't able to find a trade partner for, for DeAndre? Um, not totally surprised they weren't able to find a partner because I think everybody kind of knew, well, 
Um, if we don't make a move on them, they're going to release them, which is kind of a shame, and it speaks to the whole you know, NFL system when you think about how good DeAndre Hopkins is and has been, and I'm sure he still has a lot left in him. I don't know. Is there any receiver who is better in the NFL at a contested catch? You know, right. I know Kyler Murray can't be happy about this. You throw it up, and chances are if it's a jump ball, this guy's going to come down with it. And so, you know, the guy's had some injuries. He had the suspension. Um, the, the Cardinals are just a mess in general. So he'll be the big winner or in, in whatever team he ends up with. And I'm, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to guess Baltimore Ravens mm. are going to be one of those teams that – are really going to be interested in him. And, you know, they got OBJ and yep. Lamar back, and, you know, we'll see. I, I know you cover Baltimore like a glove as you cover the whole NFL, so I was going to ask you about the Ravens, but then I thought, well, maybe they don't need them anymore since they addressed, you know, the weapons for Lamar in the offseason. But uh, you think Baltimore could be a team that's on his phone? How how big of a market do you think D-Hop's going to have? Oh, he's going to have a, he's going to have a market, and um, he's going to be able to dictate – um, you know, the, the type of team he goes to. And a guy like him, you know he wants to go to a team that can compete. And, you know, in the NFL, that could be 15 teams, really. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so he's going to have some options. Even, you know, your team there in Las Vegas, for sure, um, I would think that that would be a possibility if they could figure out what's going to happen at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if, Jimmy, if Jimmy G could stay healthy. But anyway, um yeah, he's going to have a market, and he's going to have uh, people, Yeah, like I said, definitely going to be interested in him. Jared Bell is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And that's Roughness. We're deep diving into all things NFL. Go ahead, Damon. I've got to ask you, you spoke to owner Mark Davis earlier in the week, and he was so against the flex scheduling for Thursday night football. Can you take us into that conversation and how adamant he was about it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there's, uh, there's a group of owners, and eight owners voted against it. They needed one more to vote it against to vote against, and they could it could come back up next year because it's like a a one year deal. But uh, Mark Davis sounded a whole lot like John Mara, the Giants owner, who spoke out in Phoenix a few weeks ago and again last week. But John Mara was really the first owner to go on record publicly a few weeks ago, and and he called it abusive to fans. And so Mark Davis kind of you know carried that same thing when I talked to him just trying to get a sense on, on what he was thinking. And, and I talked to some other owners, too, just to, to get, a, get a sense of where they were going on that because I knew that there was so much lobbying from the commissioner's office and the commissioner himself and um, you know certain owners uh, in that camp who were trying to make it happen, and in the end they did get it done. But, uh, yeah, Mark Davis's thing was uh, a lot like Mayor when he was like, hey, the fans and – uh, you know, if you schedule a game and then you try to flex it out, uh, people have made their um, arrangements and people coming from out of town, travel arrangements. And you start thinking about that when it comes to the fans in the stand. And it is definitely um, a real deal for a lot of fans who may, especially look at a market like Las Vegas, because it's not only going to be Raider fans, but visiting fans who, when the schedule comes out, they may circle and say, okay, that's going to be a great, you know, time for us to get out of, you know, New England or, right. or, or Minnesota or wherever and, and get some warm weather. And then all of a sudden, if the game gets uh, flexed out, 
then what happens? And so I think that's the thing. But I think the NFL has kind of really also with this move, this kind of really let us all know again that it's a TV sport. And mm-hmm. this was a business partner move for the NFL. They want to see Amazon successful on Thursday nights, and that'll only help the, the next TV contract in about eight, nine, ten years or whatever it is, um, but if, it, if it is successful. And one of the things that Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, said, and Jones, as you might expect, was one who was definitely on board <laughs> with doing the flex schedule. <laughs> um, but, but Jerry said that you go back to the mid-'90s when the NFL struck the deal with Fox, when Fox was a fledgling network, um, it had only so much credibility. You know, Fox had some shows, In Living Color being one in the early 90s that I love. Yes, right? yes. But, Speak, on know, Speak on it. Speak on it. But as a network, when Fox did its deal with the NFL, I mean, it was an out-of-the-box move for the NFL to go with this network that didn't even have, like, you know, local affiliates in, in most of these markets, right? Well, you know, fast forward to now, Fox is Fox and the legit network, but the NFL actually helped the network overall because once the NFL committed and struck the deal with Fox, then all of these stations that had, you know, local affiliate deals with certain networks, I mean, they either bailed out or new stations emerged to where, you know, Fox was in everywhere because it had the NFL. So he pointed to that history a little bit. Uh, the other day and talking about why he thinks it's important for the NFL to to try to you know help Amazon succeed. So we'll see. And then when it comes to the NFL, where you're speaking about, hey, this is a TV sport now, where they're thinking about helping out their TV partners, do you think that the NFL is moving a little bit away from actually, you know, accommodating their actual fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure, definitely. <laughs> and, you know, I think they want the fans and the fans, right, and, you know, there's a whole lot of, you know, overpriced hot dogs and <laughs> overpriced <laughs> beers that get sold at these games, right? So, and merchandise, my goodness. So, um, they definitely have that. But, you know, as, as somebody put it to me the other day, 93% of NFL fans have never, ever, ever been in an NFL stadium. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and Roger Goodell has said it himself and not shy about saying it and others as well, that they really want to cater to the millions who are watching on TV as well. So I think if you talk about a pecking order, yeah, we want the fans in the stands and we want them buying those hot dogs, but we care more about having X, you know, tens of millions of people watching on TV. And so that's the whole thing about, you know, if they have a dog game and the NFL is trying to say, okay, We've only flexed out, you know, an average of one and a half games a year or whatever, whatever. But the whole idea is they don't want to have a dog matchup in, you know, week 16 on Thursday night when they can have, you know, two division leaders trying to, you know, nail down playoff spots and stuff in a marquee matchup. So we'll see how it, how it all shakes down. But. It's a different world, no doubt. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Again, Jarrett Bell is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 on Necessary Roughness, talking all things NFL. So I wanted to go to the other big change in the rules, and that's the kickoff rule. That's the ability to fair catch a kickoff. I think it takes a big advantage away from the kicking team and the receiving team. I think it takes a major element out of the game. But how do you think this is going to work in 2023, knowing that that kick returners can now fair catch the, the, the ball? 
Yeah, I hate it, man. And I think it's it's more of an indication that they want to take the kickoff out of out of the game. And you know, Rich McKay, the Falcons president, who was the the, uh, the chairman of the competition committee, was talking about it the other day, and he was saying, "Yeah, we still want the kickoff in the game." One thing that so there's been a lot of opposition coming from coaches, players, um, you know, all across the board. It, this is not a popular move. Um, the, the Cowboys returner uh, Turpin, mm-hmm. he was he was quoted saying he's never going to fair catch and, <laughs> and anything inside the you know the twenty five he's, he's going with it. So it'll be interesting to see how coaches handle that if they will instruct their returners to do these fair catches or not because I mean that's that's a big play that can happen and, and I know if I'm Turpin or any you know returner worth my salt then I feel like if I got a chance and I've got the blocking set up and so on and so forth, I want to try to take it to the house. So that's what we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I had one NFL coach tell me the other day, um, who hates the rule, by the way, and he, he wouldn't even <laughs> let me use his name in the story because <laughs> <laughs> he was so salty about it, right? But the thing, that, the thing that he said, he says, right now we've got special teams coaches and kickers, you know, trying to figure out how they could – you know, beat this rule already. They're already working on this now. And, and what he meant by that was that he thinks that, you know, more placement kicks are going to become involved for the kicking teams, right? And he said that all of that kind of flies against the whole rationale by the competition committee and the commissioner and the people who want the rule saying that they want it because of safety, because, you know, they call kickoff the most dangerous play in football, and concussion numbers went up last year, and they've been there, you know. Comp- you know, on uh, when, com- when you compare kickoffs and special teams plays to you know other plays on offense and defense, yeah, you have more concussions in those situations. Anyway, the coach was saying that when you have these squib kicks and you have these placement corner kicks, that there's going to be even more chaos than they think that they have now as an un- unintended consequence, if you will. So. Um, so yeah, it, it, it remains to be seen, but like I said, it's not a popular thing with the people in the trenches and, and the people who are coaching it. All right. So I've got to ask you, you had the piece a while back about Aaron Rodgers not being the goat in green Bay. So I've got to ask you how successful do you think his New York tenure is actually going to be? Oh, I, I, he's got a chance. He's got a chance to, to be really good and do all the things that, um, they want him to do, but let's, let's think about this. And, and the reason why I wrote that Rodgers was not the GOAT in Green Bay was because even though he wants like four MVPs and, you know, Aaron Rodgers has got so much talent at quarterback, well, every time he got into a situation, they won a Super Bowl one time, and they were a sixth seed when they won the Super Bowl. Wild card, won all these playoff games on the road. And in the years after that, whenever they had, they had the number one seed like three times and and failed every time, right? And even if you go back to, like, when, when they lost to the Bucks, when Tom Brady went to, to Tampa Bay and the game was on the line and Brady did Brady, even though Brady had, like, three picks that day and he still won the game <laughs> with three picks. <laughs> well, the reason why he still won the game with three picks is because when Green Bay had the ball in the fourth quarter, back-to-back drive, they go three and out, A-Rod throwing on every down, couldn't get it done. I point that out to say that when the conditions were right for him to take his team over the top 
to win Super Bowls, which is what you really judge these guys by, especially, you know, the quarterbacks. I mean, we talk about Tom Brady. Why do we say Tom Brady is great or the greatest or whatever? It's because, you know, he wins in that moment. Well, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers has not been able to do that, even when he had teams in Green Bay. And it's, it's fashionable to say, well, he didn't have the defense or he didn't have the running game. Well, Green Bay really built some pretty good teams around him, and he failed in those big moments. So that's why he wasn't the GOAT as great of a player as he is. Now, to your question, the Jets, they've got a lot of pieces around them, so he's got a chance to do it. But, you know, I say do it now first before <laughs> I crown that it's definitely going to happen. But they're going to be better. They're mm-hmm. going to be in the mix, and they're going to be on TV a whole lot. And they'll probably get flexed in some days late this season. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be on TV a whole lot. Everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Again, we're talking with Jared Bell from USA Today here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. What did you think of uh, the news that broke earlier today about John Gruden being in New Orleans, helping out uh, coach up Derek Carr, or at least help out with the offensive coordinator to tell him what Derek Carr does really well? Man, that hit me. I, I, I didn't see that one coming, even though I know that there's been some talk in NFL circles about Gruden wanting to get back in. Uh, you know, just in some form of fashion. So um, that was that was pretty stunning to, to see that, and um, the fact that it's you know Derek Carr, and that's the reason that it that has happened in uh, what he's doing right now in New Orleans. Yeah, I just think it's very interesting. I think it just kind of um, sets the, the the course for him to get back in, if not with them. Uh, with somebody, not, and I'm not talking about as a head coach, but you know, as mm-hmm. somebody who uh, could get you know back into it. But yeah, it it was stunning to me. I did a double take. I had to read the story up <laughs> two or three times to say, "Let me see what I just read." Here. Right. So, um, yeah, but you know, he's been a pariah. I mean, you know, ever since, uh, and he's and, and and oh, by the way, he is still suing the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if I'm John Gruden. I'm probably thinking, okay, I'm suing the NFL. You know they don't want me. At least a lot of people don't want me. Um, but Brian Flores is also suing the NFL. And great for Brian Flores, yep. um, who you know, got promoted this year, defense coordinator of the Vikings. Um, but if I'm John Gruden, I'm thinking, well, you know, Brian Flores is working in the league and he's suing the league. Let me give it a shot, too. So. Very, yeah, like I say, stunning. I had to read the thing over. Yeah, I did too, and I thought to myself, sooner rather than later, he'll be on Nick Saban's staff, and he'll be in a consultant or something, and, you know, that's always coaching rehab right there is, uh, <laughs> is go go be there with Nick Saban on that Alabama staff. Well, Jarrett, we'll close out with this. We lost Jim Brown last week. Earlier this week, we lost Tina Turner, but I know that you had really good experiences and, and, and good interactions with Jim Brown, even right after the birth of your daughter. Tell us about that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so we're going back to 1999, too. And, um, you know, we were doing this uh, series at USA Today on the greatest living athletes of the 20th century. So they assigned me to go do Jim Brown. And so, um, you know, I told my, my wife, like, okay, I'm going to do two more trips, and then I'm going to shut it down with the baby coming. It's like six weeks before the baby was due. And I went to Miami and and to, to go do a story on Jimmy Johnson and Dan Marino. And then I got a call while I was at Dolphins headquarters saying, "You better come home quick because this baby's coming." And so, <laughs> and so I, I went and the baby came premature, like five weeks early. But I called Jim Brown and told him what happened. And hey, I'm going to have to you know reschedule this this interview for you know a few weeks from now, whatever, right? 
lo and behold, after that, Jim Brown called me every week for like until I went to see him and do the interview. So for like five, six weeks, he called me every week, like clockwork, checking on the baby. And it just showed me a total different side of Jim mm-hmm. Brown because we know the reputation. Obviously, we know what how, how, how fierce he was as a player, but you know, when with all of the off the field issues he had with domestic violence allegations, etc. Um, you know, Jim Brown didn't always have that reputation as being, you know, a warm and fuzzy guy. But here, you know, I'm going through this crisis, you know, with my family, with the birth of, of, of my daughter, and Jim Brown just showed a whole lot of compassion. So wow. fast forward, six weeks later, I go to um, L.A. to see him. And, and when I got to L.A., it was like <laughs> the day after he smashed his wife's car with the <laughs> shovel and ended up having another domestic violence thing, but but he still did the interview and his wife on me uh she was there and, and we had a good time in the whole you know interview and, and all of that even though all of a sudden now they're dealing with something that was uh you know totally uh unrelated to football so right. so I, I saw jim brown a lot you know a few times i should say over the over the ensuing years and he would ask me about my daughter and we would chit chat and and you know he, always, he you know he told me I was always welcome to come to his house, and I took him up on that. So I feel really privileged and honored to have had, um, you know, uh, some kind of a different, deeper relationship with him. Right, and you guys had that that common bond. Your your daughter, I mean, that's that's pretty cool too, right? The, the your daughter was the common bond between you and Jim Brown, and that's something that everybody can't say. That's that's a that's a cool little nugget right there, and a and a great little story uh, as well. Well, Jared, fantastic stuff, man. Always do great work. Uh, we definitely appreciate you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Man, I, I can't reveal everything, but one thing that I'm <laughs> you know starting starting to, to think about is this whole debate between grass and turf with the world cup and the, you know, these, these, uh, the premier soccer teams coming to play in U S stadiums mm-hmm. where the soccer players, they demand it. And they, it's like, we're, we're not going to play on that crap that these NFL players play on. And so the NFL owners who you know run these stadiums, they accommodate the soccer teams and, they will rip out the turf and put in real grass, and then after it's over with, they'll put the turf back in for the for the NFL players. And so I, and I've, I've talked to some people about that um, with the league. It's been it's it's not a new issue, but I think with the soccer um, influx coming and coming to some NFL stadiums, that's going to be an issue that's going to heat up even more. No, that's a good conversation, and I'll, I'll tell you right now from firsthand experience, not from me playing, obviously, but at Allegiant Stadium, there was a lot of soccer events last year that happened, and when we got into Allegiant Stadium for the preseason, we looked at the field, and it's grass, and we're like, man, this grass is all jacked up, but they were pl- replacing it, so it was just kind of what was left over from the soccer, but Allegiant being that tray field where it's actually grass, and it goes back outside, and then it comes back inside, uh, the players always talk about how much they love playing on that grass, and they hate playing on turf, so uh, they they like what they're playing on here at Allegiant in, in Vegas. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And you hope that that's going to you know ultimately be a model for other you know NFL teams and stadiums to to follow suit. So, yeah, no, I hear you. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jared, like I said, always great work, man. We definitely appreciate you. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, and thanks for giving us a, a good chunk of your t- uh, your afternoon. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, Q. I appreciate you having me on, man. Have a good All right, uh, you happy too. Holiday weekend.
You too, my man. Jarrett Bell right there, USA Today. Fantastic stuff. And, man, you want to talk about knocking it out the park. Nate Boyer and Jarrett Bell back-to-back. Well, we're going to keep the party rolling. We want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Don't be broke.com. Text line 69187, keyword r What does Memorial Day mean to you, right? Is there something that you do each and every year to show honor to our fallen soldiers? Or maybe you're a veteran yourself and it means something to you. Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.